Good morning. My name is G. I serve as an executive pastor here at the City Life Church. Wherever you're watching us this morning, welcome. Welcome to our online world and our online service this morning. We're glad to have you join us. Before we begin, I would like to say a few words about our health professionals and our first responders that are serving in the front line today to take care of us, really, that this city uh, that are uh, suffering from this COVID-19. Uh, having a wife that's also who serves as a nurse for the county hospital, I can definitely sense that we need all the prayers as we can get. So please think of, uh, think of them uh, while you pray uh, in your time. Uh, remember them uh, for they are really uh, serving us at this time. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, next week, we're going to be beginning our new series called Journey to the Cross. We're really excited about it. Uh, not only because we are going to be studying a 22 weeks on the Gospel of John, uh, which is our, one of our favorite uh, gospel of it all, uh, but we're really excited to uh, not only uh, the, the scripture, studying the scripture together itself, but also the small group that we're launching, which is called Journey Groups. I would highly recommend you to actually join these groups wherever you are so that you may be able to do community and a fellowship together, even when we are in the remote locations. That being said, let's get right into the Word this morning. We're going to start uh, from John chapter 6, uh, from 1 through 21. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to them to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered them, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley of loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down. In number, about 5,000. And Jesus took the robes, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to them, to the disciples, and the disciples, to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley robes, which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, 
and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Again, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received them into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. This is the word of our Lord. When we are studying the Gospel of John, I always like to begin by the purpose of the Gospel. He actually put that purpose in his writing in John 20, 31. He says, But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You know, feeding of the 5,000, and the Jesus walking on the water are considered fourth and fifth signs that he performed in the Gospel of John. Gospel of Matthew and Mark also has some of the details in these stories. Now, what makes this story unique, especially in John, is that this is the only story that he shares from the other Gospel with a little twist adding a little hint and there of adding on to, to bring a little bit more clarity of what actually has taken place. So let's go to the text, shall we? This story begins at the Sea of Galilee. Now, Sea of Galilee is also mentioned as Sea of Tiberias. Now, the mentioning of Tiberias has only happened once in the whole gospel. It's in the Gospel of John. And I believe that he intentionally put the Tiberias there for us to understand the location and the place where this miracle has taken place. Scholars have tried to locate where this, this thing, this story of feeding of a 5,000 has taken place. But being in Israel uh, multiple times for over 10 years, we try to understand where this location would be. And it has to be. If John is mentioning Tiberius, at least it has to be near where the ancient city of Tiberius was. Now, we know that great multitude followed him because every, his fame was already known. Not only that, it was this time that he will go up to the mountain. There's mentioning of a mountain many times. So when you actually go to Israel and when you actually stand where near the Tiberius, you probably wonder which mountain could it be. Now, I'm not here to tell you exactly what that mountain is. But for me, personally, after seeing, reading the text over and over and over, and try to locate the most uh, accurate place, most closest place where this story can actually fulfill, is in the story, is near Tiberius and the near Mount Arbel. Because it is a mountain that he will go later to pray. Now also, this story is taking place during the Passover. Actually, this is not during the Passover, but this is near the Passover. John actually uniquely brings all three occasions of a Passover in his passage to understand that the key of understanding of this gospel is to understand the Lamb of God. 
I know this is a lot of information right now, but as we go forward, as we continue to read the scripture, how important it is for us to all this will make sense at the end. The sign of multiplication of bread and fish led to some religious men to believe that Jesus is the prophet who was to come. Now, you're probably wondering which prophet. How do we know? How do they know, actually? What are they pointing at? Are they, is there a specific prophet they actually are thinking about? And I believe there is an answer to that in Deuteronomy chapter 18. In verse 15, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. This is Moses speaking. In verse 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. So for them, they clearly understood the multiplication of bread and the multiplication of a fish had to point to this prophet, prophet Moses-like, has come. But we know that what happens next, they will attempt to make him a king. And we know what happens, Jesus, understanding their agenda. And their agenda was quite simple. They were looking for a political type who will help them overcome the oppression of Rome they were in. Now, Jesus, he understood what this is. It clearly is a temptation, very similar to the one of the temptation he received in Luke when Satan offers the whole world to him. And we know what Jesus did. In this, sense, in this case, he depart from them and go and pray on the mountain. And here is R.F. Bailey, who tried to understand this a little bit further. He says, he who is already king has come to open his kingdom to men. But in their blindness, men try to force him to be the kind of king they want. Thus, they fail to get the king they want and also lose the kingdom he offers. This is the premise of the story that we're about to talk about today. It's not just about Jesus walking on the water, but there is so much more spiritual truth that we can learn from. So let's go to the scripture. In verse 16, John begins his story in a specific time of day, and this will become very vital for us to understand the importance later. And this story is in the evening, and also you will see that it actually happens also dark in the late at night. So Jesus is now going to pray while he's sending his disciples to go to the other side. And as he's doing that, he is praying. We know that there's many instances throughout the scripture in the New Testament, the gospel, that every time he seclude himself. When he goes away, he goes there to pray. We know that he's praying to Father, and we know that this is one of his key, getting the mission from the Father to what to do next 
in his ministry. And so I believe that there is a purpose behind Jesus sending the disciples beforehand. But the story continues in verse 18, that the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. In other gospel, Matthew and Mark mentions this word storm. The storm is starting to begin. And we know that this will take a long time. How do we know this? Because in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew adds this one important note or detail that it was actually at the fourth watch of the night when Jesus will come. Now picture this for a second. The first watch is from 6 to 9 p.m. Second watch, 9 to 12, third, 12 to 3, and the fourth watch is 3 to 6 a.m. And we know that this story begins in the evening while Jesus is sending away the multitude while he goes to pray. And the disciples find themselves you know, three to four miles out. Or in other Gospels mentioned, they find themselves in the middle of the sea. And that's why this is important because we know that the disciples, not only they were fishermen, they knew the storm very well. They're all from Galilee. Not everyone, but Peter, James, John, and some of these other characters that we know that they were fishermen, they understood what storm meant. So they are battling the storm all night. At least if he starts, say for example, he started, if he, Jesus sent out, they them at 9 p.m. Even then, they've been fighting this storm for over six hours. Well, I don't know about you, it's not like they had a motor at that time where they can switch on the motor and they can just take off, no. They were rowing. They were rowing with their physical strength to get to their destination. But then, even then, it only got them to the middle of the sea. And they understood what this meant. There is death near. And they got themselves themselves into a very bad predicament. And the story continues. And they saw, in verse 19, Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. If they were not already afraid of the storm they were facing, now they start to see a figure coming from a distance. They cannot really tell what it is, but it's drawing near. And they say, in other accounts, they say they see a ghost. And in the Gospel of John, they see Jesus walking on the sea. And there are a few instances we know in the gospel, and that's what makes this sign. You see a miracle that is taking place in front of their eyes. Just like the multiplication of a bread is a supernatural. Walking on the water is also the supernatural. The sign, John will call it, that points to God. Rightfully so, they should be afraid now that they, they start to see a ghost coming at them, and they I'm sure the storm and the, and the rain and, and all sorts of kind of things. And they were afraid. And the fear, especially time like this, I know some will say, you just have to have faith. But fear is a real emotion. And if you are sensing fear today, it's okay. It's okay for you to have a sense of fear. But... I would say, you do not have to stay 
in the fear because someone or something can replace that fear and we'll find out what that can be. In verse 20, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. It is I in this sense, you know, John actually has a many of the I am saying. What I mean by what I am saying is when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the way, truth, and the life. These are the I am saying of John. And scholars believe easily that this is also additional I am statement. Recognizing who he is, revealing who he is, his divinity to his disciples. And he says, do not be afraid. These are the people, these are the disciples that whom that he loves. And he comes to them, he said, you do not have to fear. Why? Because I am here. It is I. Because I am here, because my presence is here, you do not have to be afraid. You do not have to live or driven by the fear. All you need is me. And what a comforting word that is to know that Jesus comes during the storm to calm the storm. In verse 21, then they willingly received him. Of course, why not? They're saving him. Into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Very interesting. Because in the previous scripture that we clearly saw, they were in the middle of the sea. When Jesus arrives in the boat, storm stops. And where does the disciples find themselves? To the location where they're going. Not only Jesus is walking on the water, not only he is taking the storm away, but they find themselves into the location where they were going. They didn't even have to try. They arrived to the destination where they're supposed to go. There are so many things that we can learn, the spiritual truth that is in here that we can learn from. But here are four things that I came to. Number one, Jesus is watching us. You know, one thing that we do when we actually go to Israel is we actually go to the Mount Arbel, and when we stand on the Mount Arbel, you can actually see the whole Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful scenery. In a clear day, I mean, it's like us looking at a mirror. It's so crystal clear. And a lot of times, there are boats. There are a lot of tourist boats that are actually floating around. They're singing hymns, some party boats, yes, I do have to agree. But none of these boats are actually on the, ocean, on the sea and actually touring around. And you can clearly see where the boat is. It's very clear. Now we think about where Jesus was in the Mount Arbel, standing in front of the Arbel, on the Arbel, looking down the sea. Did he see the storm? Yes. Did he see the disciples? Yes. He is watching us especially in a time like this when all hopes are lost and where fear is driven, you start to feel that maybe God has forgotten about us. And I'm here to tell you that is not the case. He is watching us. He is with us today. Number two, Jesus is praying for us. And how comforting this is. 
that while he was praying to the Father, as he was observing the disciples, middle of the ocean, middle of the Sea of Galilee, you find them praying that they will not perish. And what a comforting that is to know that Jesus not only is watching us, but he is interceding for us. So he is praying for you right now, at this moment. If you're afraid, it's okay. If you're uncertain about the future, it's okay. Jesus is interceding for you. And number three, Jesus will come to us. He's not going to forsake us and he's just going to stay on the mountain and just call it a day. No, he will come at the right time, at the right moment, he will come. At this, in this story, we know that he came at last minute. I know we don't talk about that much, but sometimes I can, I'm sure if you're a believer today, how effective that is, knowing that God sometimes, when the all hopes are lost, when all faith are lost, when you are at the bottom, when you are at the, at the last end of the rope, Jesus prevailed. You see, sometimes we forget the testimony that God has given us. Even the past, we forget. We're so easily forget what God has done for us. You remember when God prevailed? Remember when God showed up in your life? And he revealed himself, doesn't he? Why don't you recall those testimonies? Why don't you reflect on your past of how God, in the right time, has come to you? And finally, Jesus will reveal himself to us. Not only as a good shepherd, but he will come with power. That you will know that he is God. As he was revealing himself, his divinity to his disciples, that moment will come where he will come to you. My encouragement to you is welcome him. Welcome him onto your boat or welcome him into your house because he is coming. And when that moment comes, friends, pray and worship him and adore him. Sing praises to him because he deserves it. He not only come to rescue you, but he comes to bring peace to your home. Let me pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you have not left us like orphans. But Lord, you call us your children. You said in your word to those who believe, you have given them the right to become the children of God. Lord, as your children, we call out, we cry out to you today, that Lord God, that you will intervene. You will intervene in this situation because Lord God, we know that one word, just one action from you can calm the storm. We trust you and we rely on you and Father, I pray for those who have not placed their faith in you. I pray that Lord God in this time, as they hear your word, Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal yourself to them in a mighty way. 
And Father, I pray for those who believe that you comfort them in this time. Let them turn their eyes upon you, Jesus, for you are the author and a perfecter of our faith. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.